comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here because he did not go to Comic-Con this year. I was at Comic-Con this past weekend, the time that we're recording this, and I had a lot of fun, but I wanted to recap it for you guys, listeners of the show, and join me to discuss Comic-Con in place of Abe. We have my other favorite, Abe, that comes on the show very often. Alan Aguilera, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, man. How's it? How, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well too. <laughs> Thanks for that. I was really excited. Good, you should be because we're going to talk about Comic Con. Lots of lots of whoop, lots whoop. of things happening. Lots of things happening at Comic Con this year, and um, this is you know this is just a special bonus episode. We're just going to kind of free form it, so I figured we just go over Comic Con uh, by the days at first, and you know we'll you know wherever whatever random tangents we go on will happen, of course. But uh, yeah, we'll just kind of kind of go over the days. So let's see. Do I need to explain Comic Con? Is that even necessary, Alan? You want to like give like a, a one sentence like what Comic Con is, really quick? Um, essentially, it's popular culture and marketing just explode in San Diego. It's insane. So if it's comic books, if it's movies, if it's video games, if it's television, celebrities, creators, producers, and everybody who wants to be in those positions is going to be there to try to pimp their product. Um, and it's just marketing all the time. And there's a small sect of shops where you can go and buy things. So you can go get old, older Golden Age books, and you can go get those hard-to-find um, collector toys or memorabilia from films or movie posters. But that contingent of the combo convention is getting smaller and smaller every year. So essentially, if you're into something rad and if you're into something nerdy, Comic-Con is the place you want to go. All right. Thanks, Al. That was quite good. Um, let's see. So let's, uh, I guess let's... Uh... Just go over what we started with. I mean, I could talk about basically Comic Con lasted from Wednesday to Sunday, and Wednesday right. Wednesday is more of like a preview night, so only a select number of people get in, even though it still gets pretty crowded. But there's not really anything in the way of big panels or anything. They do have screenings of certain things, like they have screenings of upcoming um, shows on TV this coming fall, and I think they even do some movies sometimes. Like I, I don't think it was on Wednesday, but they did show like there's a new DC animated movie coming out, The Flash. The Flash movie, what the Flashpoint paradox, or something like Flashpoint, yeah, Flashpoint, yeah. yeah. No, but I think that's screened on Saturday night or Friday night. But regardless, yeah, Wednesday is more of a hey, there's some cool stuff here. You guys get a little sneak preview at it. You guys happen to consist of lots of people, but here you are anyway. Um, so let's just move on to Thursday. Um, what what'd you do on Thursday, Alan? Uh, for Thursday, most of the day I got there when the convention opened. I kind of just walked around for a bit i didn't really have a specific panel i wanted to go to until later in the day uh, thursday was actually going to be my floor day um i kind of had this method at comic-con where one every year i've gone since 2007 and every year i always somehow miss preview night so i never end up going i don't know what preview night's mm-hmm. like which is weird so i was going to use my wednesday this preview night but due to unforeseen circumstances i couldn't go on wednesday yeah those are, so, those are that was some unfortunate those, business that you had to deal with <laughs> That was a lot of stuff. So anyway, it just kind of put a bad bad taste in my mouth to start everything off. So on Thursday was supposed to be me doing a couple comic panels and maybe some Hall H stuff. But what I decided to do is do most of my floor wandering. Um, I ended up going to buy some Mondo posters. I bought two um, Pacific Rim Mondo posters, which were one limited to 350 each. 
So those are those aren't as limited as their other posters, but they're they're pretty cool and there's two corresponding posters and they're really nice. And then I went to the Zero Friends, which is one of my favorite collection of artists on the internet, where you can buy prints and apparel. And they, they had their booth there, so I walked over and I ended up buying a couple smaller prints. I bought a T-shirt and I actually have a tattoo of one of Alex Pretty's paintings. It's um, Escape Conviction. I have that tattooed on my thigh, and I actually just wanted to show it to him, and I got a stamp of approval, so that was pretty nice. cool. Um, and then I was going to try to hit up. <laughs> Because my, I, I was with my buddy who'd never been, and he wanted to go to um, the WWE panel about their new toys. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll go. That's fine." Uh, the line was insane, so we ended up just—it's bad. You'll learn this later. Like, if you've never been to Comic Con, this may not make sense. But if you've been to Comic Con, it's bad if the line for a WWE toy panel is longer than Holly. Because <laughs> we were—I was—I just essentially said, "You know what? I'm not going to do that." Where was that? Where, what I, room was that in? It was like in room twenty four. It was right or room twenty five. Okay, so it's like on the second floor so, is one of the yeah. Of the it was right next to ballroom yeah, twenty. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the biggest room, but I knew it was gonna fill up because last year they had a couple like professional wrestlers show up, and I just wanted to go because I thought it'd be fun. So what we ended up doing is scurrying over to Hall H, and I saw the EW Visionaries panel with Edgar Wright, Afonso Curon, and um, Mark Webb. Mark I was Webb, there yeah. as well. I think you met up with me, didn't you? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. It's fuzzy. It was. It's been a. It's been a long week, Alan. <laughs> no, I think we were together because I think we just randomly met up because you asked me where That's I was. That's exactly what happened. Actually, yeah. What yeah. No, yeah. yeah, because yeah, because you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we were together. Yeah. So, it, so listeners, as you'll learn, um, it all kind of blends together when you're at Comic Con. Like you're in the moment, it's fantastic, but the second you're not there, you don't remember what happened what day. I I had to go check my Twitter feed to remember what happened what day. Um, so what happened is that we went to, we did the EW Visionary panel, then we did the Divergent and Ender's Game. a, uh, Ender's yeah, Game. the Summit panel. Yeah. Yeah, the Summit panel. And, you know, um, want to talk about those yeah, panels can, a little yeah. bit? Divergent is a, a new film that's coming out next year. It's based on a very popular book that I had no idea about until coming to this panel. That's not necessarily true, but at least learn a little bit more about it. That said, I can't say that I still, I really know what the story is in Divergent, but I know it centers on a strong female character, similar to something like, I don't know, The Hunger Games. And it stars Shailene Woodley, who um, was in The Descendants, and she she was Mary Jane until that didn't happen anymore. I told Alan, because Mark Webb was at the Visionaries panel, and Shailene Woodley was at the panel right after. I'm like, what's going on backstage there since she got fired from that movie? <laughs> it's like, what's... What's the deal there? But regardless, Divergent, um, we got to see some footage from a Divergent. Um, I don't even know how to set up the movie. I mean, it's, it takes place in a future Chicago setting. Um, and from the footage we saw, we watched uh, Shailene Lilly and Zoe Kravitz characters. They, they're they on an L train in Chicago. They're jumping off into a building, and then they jump off the building um, down to below and prove that they're like what, like amazing at jumping, I guess. <laughs> and they get, become a part of something, and there's a bunch of crowd surfing, and then they're throwing knives at Shailene Woodley, and she's all like, I'm cool, I, don't, I can take knife throws, I'll climb up Ferris wheels. This is the best I could do at describing the divergent footage that I saw, because I don't know what the, what the thing's about. Alan, do you have an idea of what the, the, the book's about? No. Okay, so I'm going to Well, gonna here's, here's, the, here's the funny part. Okay, go on. Here's the funny part. I went out to get a hot dog, because yeah. I was like, I don't know what this is, I don't care. And I came back, and I thought I missed a big chunk of footage, and I was like, Aaron, what I missed? And you're like, oh, no. Nothing really, and I was like, "Oh, okay. What well, must not be good footage?" When they they replayed the footage later, I'm like, "Oh, f- I literally missed nothing because there's no setup for that movie. I had no idea." And it, the best part about well, I'm it, sorry. It, like it wasn't a trailer; it was just kind of a a mood piece that kind of set you up for the kind of movie that you're supposed to see. So, I mean, obviously they're going to do something different to 
get people that aren't as familiar like me, like, I guess, excited for this movie. But yeah, I just, the footage seemed to, it certainly, you know, everyone that is familiar with Divergent was certainly, you know, digging it. But I can't say that I, you know, got an idea of what was going on besides the fact that there's this girl and she needs to make some choices and she doesn't mind throwing a good knife or two. That's cool. I really, yeah, good for them. Yeah, the, really... the director's Neil Berger, who directed uh, The Illusionist, the Ed Norton magician film, as well as uh, Limitless, the Bradley Cooper, takes the crayon out of his nose and gets really smart movie. I think that I think I merged that in a Simpsons episode, but I don't care. Uh, so, but do we want to do we want to talk about the best part about that panel? It what 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 was the best part of the panel during the Q and A? Oh yes, explain, Alan. Okay, so at Comic Con, there's panels. Um, and you have all the directors and the cast and crew are there and they're talk to, they're willing to talk to you. Um, and usually they always line up certain um, attendees who want to ask them questions. And like, oh yeah, like they always screen the questions and everything. I've done it once or twice, mostly for comic book stuff because I'm a I'm a tool. <laughs> um, so they would bring they would bring someone up, and this person would be okay. I'm going to ask you my question. Oh, thank you very much. What happened is that someone was in the wrong line, went up to the Divergent panel. And started off by saying, "Just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of Ender's Game," which is the which was the segment right after. So essentially, the gentleman wasn't paying attention to what was happening, and I I don't even know if he's that big of a fan of Ender's Game to realize that none of that had to do with Ender's Game. And the crowd essentially turned on him, and it was the funniest thing in the world. I was dying. I I don't know how the people on the panel were able to finish the panel because I was I think it was done for the I don't remember anything that happened after that because that was fantastic. I'm curious what is. I, do you remember what his question? Because he he came back for the Ender's Game panel, and I'm like wondering, like, because the people screen the questions before they get asked on the stage, so it's right. like, I what was his question that like? Did it... I think it has something to do with the theme of the film and how it would pertain to. It was a good question. Yeah, it was a good I question. That. I was yeah. like, oh, that was a really good one. Yeah. So, but I think it was almost generic enough, or maybe even the people who were screening him weren't paying attention, <laughs> or maybe he just watched. It's just I felt bad for him, but I also thought it was hilarious. Yeah, because I just don't understand how you, you have to be really distracted and not get that you're in the line for the Divergent Q&A with them on stage yeah. talking about Divergent and showing you footage from Divergent for the past, you know, 30 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, my whole thing was, did he did he actually say, I just want to say I'm a big fan of Divergent before he asked this question? Because <laughs> if he didn't, I imagined it, and I'm going to pretend he did. Because I think he did, but if he didn't, then whatever. It would be really Perhaps, funny. but yeah, it was. I mean, but yeah. that's a... It's. I think it's a complicated miss to say Divergent as opposed to Ender's Game. So it's. It was just a big. It was so funny. Anyway, let's move on to Ender's Game. Ender's Game panel happened. Um, everyone came out, which includes Asa Butterfield and uh, Haley Haley Steinfeld, Roberto Orsi, the director Gavin Hood, and that that new guy uh, Harrison Ford. He was there too. Uh, I've talked. Oh, I think you're. I think you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Harrison. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. He's, he's, okay, got it. I think he's. I think. He, I think he's Prussian. Okay. I want to talk about Gavin Hood first, though. Gavin Hood, people may know from the, as the director of uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, not the most well-liked film, but he did direct the film Satsi, which won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film years prior. And um, I'm a big fan of that film. But with that said, Wolverine, the X-Men Origins Wolverine, not the greatest film, and I know there was a lot of kind of problems going off that production. But regardless... I really liked Gavin Hood on stage. He really got comic He got the vibe, and he really did a good job of kind of winning the crowd over as he was, you know, showing his ex- general excitement for just this movie for Ender's Game. Ender's Game has been a movie that has been a it's been it's a great book. I, I love the the novel Ender's Game, and it's a book that's won many awards, and it's apparently required reading for the military now that they told us at the panel. 
it's, they read off random statistics actually about Ender's Game. But regardless, it's been a it's been a book that's been like in development as a motion picture for years now, and it's finally you know kind of happening. And you could just you could kind of see that in Gavin Hood. He was like really excited to present this movie. And so yeah, they showed us um, a new uh, was it a tra- was it a new trailer or was it just a, like an extended look at the film? Was it? Um, it's almost like a. Small... It's like an extended trailer, right? It was, and it showed a bunch of footage that they didn't show in any of the trailers. Um, yeah, they're just seen with some ships that were new. Um, yeah, it was it was cool, I guess. Like, yeah, I didn't change my opinion on the film. I may go see it if I have nothing else. To okay, <laughs> I can say that I'm I'm a little more excited for it. I mean, the first. I mean, I'm. I'm down to see this movie regardless, and I was pleased with the first trailer just because I'm like, all right, it's just giving me some stuff here that I can work with. But this one, I mean, the the effects seem better because they're you know finished this time around, or at least close right, to yeah. being finished. It showed off more of the story, kind of developed that more. My only real issue is that I think people that have read the book are gonna feel like the trailer may be spoiling too much of what's going on in the actual kind of story, depending on what context certain scenes happen in versus what people that have read the book know about the movie. But that said, I don't think, you know, people that are unfamiliar would be necessarily spoiled by certain things. So it's a, it's a tricky thing. And I'm very curious to see how this all comes out. Let's, let's move on to Harrison Ford though. Harrison Ford, or is the Harrison Ford comedy hour featuring Ender's game cast? Like (laughs) Harrison Ford's an adorable curmudgeon. That's what I keep saying about him. And that's what I saw on stage. Like he, I, I have to believe that he gets the idea that he's a grump and that's the kind of persona he's playing on stage. But at the same time, it's hilarious to watch him be this grump on stage who doesn't like he doesn't feel like taking <laughs> taking much guff from the audience about fan questions regarding Han Solo and Indiana Jones. He just he's there. He wants to sell his thing and then kind of leave. And so he yep. I would talk about Harrison Ford a little bit, his reactions on oh, stage. He is so funny because he it's hard to describe it really because. It's mostly his facial expressions and his scoffs mm-hmm. and his guffaws and he's ugh. his sighs um, and his, he's taking off the glasses. Oh, and he just like looks with his looks of disapproval um, are amazing. I think, well, like for example, someone asked him, a really excited person, um, a Brazilian man, said that when he was younger, he he always wanted to pretend to be her, uh, Indiana Jones, and he wanted to know what would, what would Indiana Jones say to Han Solo if they met. Um, Harrison Ford's response was. It's funny, when I was younger, I always dreamt about being Indiana Jones, too. And then what he ended up saying was, hi, how are you? Uh, would probably be a good response. <laughs> and it's just, he just, like, he, he, everyone's laughing at the panel. And it's not about, like, at him or with it, whatever. It's just, he just doesn't seem to, he, he's giving off almost like the anti-Comic-Con, he's like the anti-hero of Comic-Con, where people love him, despite the fact that he's, like, he he's not being like the ultimate like fan of the things that he started. He's not Mark Hamill. He's not the guy who's gonna like just talk to you about the experience of working on Star Wars. He's the guy that just he, he couldn't care less that that you love these characters, but at the same time he's not like he's not a disappointment to watch on stage. He's still just vastly entertaining in his own right, which is which is really funny. So yeah, the um Ender's Game panel. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. What was that? Uh, my my phone was getting out. We can go back a little. No, that's no problem. I was just finishing up my thoughts on Harrison Ford, but we can move okay. on because there's lots of other things to talk about. Um, yeah. I could talk about the Zero Theorem panel, which is the new Terry Gilliam film that's happening. But, you know, it's it's weird and Terry Gilliam-y, so I'm just going to move on to other things. Let's go, let's get to let, – let's, uh, let's move on to Friday. What, what happened on Friday? Okay, so Friday what happened is that I went home early th- – I went back to the hotel early Thursday – 
so I could take the first trolley out at five in the morning to get in line by about five thirty. I get to the con- I get a convention center at five thirty a.m. I walk to the line and I'm in line by five forty-five. I believe you meet up with me at about six thirty. We were waiting in line all day for Hall H so we can hit. What was it? This is the end. Or I'm sorry, at World's End. Uh, the wor- World's, World's End. End. The World's yeah, End. World's End. And um, I mean, the, there's the World's End. It was supposed to be the World's End. Veronica Mars. Walking Dead. Then Lionsgate with Riddick and Kickass. And oh, then... you know, Universal. Universal. Yeah, the Universal panel, and then 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 Walking Dead. Then Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. And then the then Sony, the Sony panel. panel. Yes. What happened was. We were, I was pretty far back and I got there first and we ended up, I ended up, I ended up holding spot for some friends. Shouldn't do it, but you know, whatever. Um, we didn't get in there until about 10 minutes into the Game of Thrones panel. And that was the sixth panel of the day around three o'clock. Yeah, so that's, we spent Friday in line making friends, making jokes, making memories, having the cuddle pile, but we were in line until three o'clock and everyone was getting stir crazy. But the moment of elation when you actually get into when we got into Hall H, I was ecstatic. I was so happy. Yeah, I got to see if it, it was it was certainly awesome to finally get inside of the panel. But yeah, so we so we ended up missing the World's End panel. We missed the Veronica Mars panel. We missed, and I say missed. Some of these are in quotation marks. I wanted to see all these panels. Actually, I'm a fan of I'm yeah. a fan of Veronica Mars. And uh, Friday would have been and fun. we would and we would have really wanted to see the World's End panel for sure because Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost are just really fun guys to be on stage. So. I'm, I still haven't checked out the YouTube video of that panel, but I will do so because I'm sure it's hilarious. Um, and yeah, we missed the Universal panel with Riddick and Kick-Ass, which would have been interesting, although the, they, they premiered Red Band trailers, which are available online now, so there you go. Um, and then the Walking Dead panel, which I would have liked to see, but at the same time, it's just they, they have it. Once again, there's a trailer that's available too. So yeah, we got into the Game of Thrones panel. I gotta say... Game of Thrones. Yeah, we did like we missed kind of some of Game of Thrones. Like they showed apparently like a death moratorium of everyone that died on the show so far, which I which is on YouTube actually, and I I, th- I thought it was pretty funny. It was funny and it was, it was really funny, funny and touching really the way they edited it. They edited it so it's it's both humorous and touching because some of the characters you you do feel bad for uh, that they died, but other characters just like like random guards and things they list those. It is it's pretty humorous. So, but following that, getting to the Game of Thrones panel, as much as it's cool to see, you know, game, a Game of Thrones panel, which is, you know, one of the more popular things that's at Comic-Con, I can't say that I really see the need of it being in Hall H. They, they don't have anything to show, because the show just, they got jacked the show, shit, just, yeah. show just ended, and so they haven't shot anything yet that's at least finalized to show at Comic-Con, and so it just becomes a panel of talking about how awesome they are, and it's like... How, how, like, for being, like, one of the most crowded panels of the day, it just seems like it's unnecessary, which is kind of a shame, just because, like, the th- the only thing they showed besides the death montage was, like, a U- uh, um, a deleted scene that's going to be on the upcoming Blu-ray. It's like, there's there's very little talk about the next season, because I assume they don't want to spoil things. There's just really nothing there, <laughs> which is kind of like... Well, go. what I thought they, what I thought they were going to do, because I believe they just casted some of the bigger parts for the next season i believe the cast is like two or three key roles that are in the book mm-hmm. i thought they were going to bring them out like they were going to do i thought they were going to do some sort of casting news i know they're not going to show footage i don't really care um it's kind of a weird panel because you want to because you're so, like i'm a huge fan of the game of thrones series i really wanted something fun like i don't i just wanted to go and see these people and see if anything new but no new news came from it and you're right there's no I see no reason for it to be in Hall H other than the massive amounts of people who are trying to get in. Yeah. And I feel that if it was in Ballroom 20 instead with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it probably would have worked out better. It would have, or if they just put it at the beginning of the day or on Thursday. 
Well, yeah, out of the way. Like, they should have opened the show. Yeah. They should have opened the show. The same with Walking but... Dead, too, because I think those are two massive panels that just get a lot of audience that just don't necessarily care about other panels that they could have seen. Like, they, there would have been more of an exodus earlier on in Hall H, so right. people could... We would have been able to go in and been fun. Yeah, like, I mean, if you compare the Walking Dead and Game of Thrones panel to the World's End panel, like, the World's End panel is the thing that lit off the day, and I can't say that... As much as I love Edgar Wright movies, like I can't say that like everyone at Comic Con's like dying to see the Edgar Wright panel compared to something like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead. Did you say Sir Edgar Wright? No. Oh, you should have because that was really funny. I'll, I'll do it. What I I'll do it some other time. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and to be fair, I mean Game of Thrones. I mean, they're, they're, it's fun to see that. Yes, I mean, and Peter Dinklage is there, and he gets he get he has a lot of a lot of fans for Peter Dinklage, and then the actors that play um. John Snow, I think that's Kit Harrington. And, it's on my Instagram. And, you can just yeah. go on my Instagram and, uh, and see it. And Rob, and um, let's see, Egret. It was it was Weiss, Benioff, uh, Caitlin, Rob, Tyrion, um, Sam. Yeah, Sam. Egret, John Snow, Daenerys, Daenerys, and George yeah. R. R. Martin. And the and George yeah. R. R. Martin, yeah. And the best thing, the the only like surprise really was that during the, the panel, uh, oh yes, yeah. uh, Carl Carl Drogo came out and gave her planted a kiss on her and said, "I'm not dead yet," and walked off stage to a massive applause. And she's all like, "My son in stars." So that like that's fun, but it's it's yeah, I think. kind of rapey. It was kind of rapey. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, I wasn't against it. I was just like, oh, all right. I mean, it, it's not, it's not like he. <laughs> I could go way into two more detail and just have fun yeah. with the first episode of that show of what happened to Daenerys and compare that to Comic-Con, but I'm not going to. Let's just move on. Let's get to what happened next, which was the kind of the big panel of the day, um, at least for us, Sony. the Sony panel. The Sony panel had a lot of things I was looking forward to. Actually, mainly two things I was looking forward to. One is the Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs 2. Um, I'm a huge fan of Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs. I am maybe overly excited for the sequel, but that said, <laughs> I'm excited for the sequel, so there. Um, I'll get to that in a second. I'll just list the other things. So the other things were the Mortal Instrument City of Bones, which is another um, supernatural book series um, centering on a strong female lead, and then RoboCop, um, the remake of RoboCop, and then finally The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2. Um, so let's back up. Claudia of a Chance of Meatballs 2. This is, of course, the sequel. Um, uh, the panel started. Fun intro video depicting like the cast that are voicing the different characters kind of getting ready to come down to Comic-Con, which featured Terry Crews dressing up as the character Earl, which meant him getting into very tight policeman uniform. Uh, and then, yeah, Bill Hader, Anna Ferris, Kristen Schaal, just the, the whole cast having fun. They, the, mostly all of them come out, Bill Hader, Anna Ferris, and, uh, and Terry Crews, along with the, uh, the writers, directors, the writers, directors of Clive of Chance of Meatballs 2. Not the same as the ones that did um, the first film. Those are the guys that did uh, 21 Jump Street and the first one, as well as Clone High. They're new at the they're doing the Lego movie now, and that's uh, that's another yeah. that's another panel we'll get to. But regardless, uh, butt panel. They showed some footage. They showed the foodimals. Um, I'm still like excited to see the movie. I mean, that's not a whole lot to offer besides that. It was like two minutes. It was. It was. Fine. Yeah. It's. I mean, it seems like they're definitely stacking the decks for RoboCop and Spider-Man. That's pretty much what Sony was doing. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about these things anyway because they deserve that coverage, right, Alan? Yeah. Uh, the Mortal Instruments. It's a book. <laughs> it seems popular. <laughs> they showed some footage. Lena Haiti is in that movie. And in that movie, and she, um, she was kicking some ass. She was. She was. She was fighting off fools, and then a big dog monster turned into something out of Resident Evil. And the girl kicked, it beat the hell out of it, and then it came back to life, and it was slayed. Demons and whatever. Good stuff there. Or maybe, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Robocop happens. Let's talk about Robocop a little bit. This is the a remake, of course, of Paul Verhoeven's classic character, the Robocop. 
Um, yeah. They, um, I'll say this. Um, I feel like I, I was burned a couple years ago by Total Recall. Total Recall looked kind of interesting a couple years ago at Comic-Con. The movie came out last year. Last it, year. Last yeah, year. The movie came yeah. out last year. The panel was two years ago. Last year the movie came out, and I think it's terrible. I, I it's just it, it's it's lifeless. It has no none of the kind of the dark humor that makes Verhoeven's movie you know a modern classic in ways. It, it it's there's no satire there. It's just, the ambiguity is completely gone. It was just a bad movie. RoboCop is the next Sony adaptation of a Paul Verhoeven movie, and I will say that maybe there's a little more promise, but I can't say I'm shaking the feeling of of Total Recall vibes for this one. I the the footage began. And um, I forgot Sam Jackson was in this movie, but Sam Jackson comes out in in the footage as kind of a as a, a news person, and he introduces kind of the world that people are living in. There's Ed Two Hundred Nines; those are the kind of two legged robotic things that you know have a problem determining who's lethal and who's not. And uh, we see them in action, and they start to they get the, some some rebels come after them, and the whole big action scene takes place. We see kind of cameras from the distance take, shooting it. It feels like a Kind of, it kind of calls into question some kind of social commentary with the way they're being filmed and the the, st- the state of these robots and everything. And the, then then it eventually ends. The panel comes out. Director Sam Jackson, uh, Joel Kinnaman, and Michael Keaton. So you have Michael Keaton and Sam Jackson on stage. You basically have Batman and Nick Fury. That's neat, right, Alan? That was super cool. Yeah. And like, so, so that aspect like got me cheered up as well. Regardless of like my thoughts on like a new RoboCop movie, I'm like, all right, but very here. So maybe at least that it's got that going for it. And uh, now, why'd you take over? What do you what do you think of the like the footage they showed? Honestly, uh, I had no real expectations for the film. I was oh, they're gonna remake it because of uh, Total Recall, and I'm still really really hesitant on it. It looked it looked cool. There's some cool moments. Um. I didn't. I don't know how I feel about the all black RoboCop suit. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the suit. That's the and I mean that it's the movie's called it's RoboCop, suit, not like yeah. everything else. And so I don't, especially the helmet. I just don't dig it, and I don't like it's how it's weird. It is, and how it kind of comes off, and you see his face, and it's, it's there, and it's not like it's just. I don't. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the suit design, but yeah, the footage itself. I mean, it's it just it. I I, I wouldn't say generic action, but I mean it just doesn't look any like anything you know special. It doesn't. Yeah, like, how do I put it? I want to see Michael Keaton because I don't see him that often, and anytime yeah. he is in a movie, I want to see it. And hmm. there's nothing really special about the footage. Like, it looked cool. I'll, I'll probably go see it. Um, I think after the panel, they announced it was PG-13, and that made me lose a lot of interest in it. Yeah. Um, it's just honestly a lot of it's forgettable. I kind of it's it's okay. I just I want it to have the same wit, and I just I know that's not like possible. But like even if with the tone that they're trying to take it, if it even has just if it even just tries to connect to to today's society, and like it it tries to you know do something besides just be an action movie, and that's the problem with Total Recall. It's just an action movie. It doesn't have anything to say. And I mean, Total Re- Total Recall and RoboCop back in the '80s and 1990, like is as fun as they are and as cheesy as they are, Paul Verhoeven's he is doing stuff in those movies. He's very yeah. much adding a lot of a lot of very a lot of satire and a lot of dark humor that you know works well. And that I mean, I'm just not seeing that so far in both Total Recall and just the footage for this so far. Maybe maybe that's not what's being shown in these trailers, just because you can't really kind of cap encapsulate that into like two minutes of footage while also conveying the fact that you have a fun action movie on your hands. But I I just I. I want it to be that way, and I, you know, I like this cast. Like, I, I, I mean, Michael Keaton obviously, and Sam Jackson is just always fun. But I mean, Joel Kinnaman, I, I, 
I like him as an actor. I, I've seen, I like I like is but I'm indifferent towards the killing. I like him on the killing. I mean, he's a he, he's a talented guy. And he, you know, this is if this is something that's going to help him break out, then I you know I hope it works out for him. But yeah, I mean, PG-13 footage that we can't quite remember too well. I mean, it's not not boating too well. That said, I mean, you did say dead or alive, you're coming with me. So I mean, that that you know that gets you going. A little bit. Well, that's fan service. I don't really I don't. I don't respond well to fan service. I, I mean, it's one line. <laughs> yeah, but if that's one line, they're going to show how many other things they're going to do. I, I mean, as long as someone says I'd buy that for a dollar, I'll be fine. That's I say that every day. So. There you go. See, every time I tweet about RoboCop, some like the the one guy that like tracks that tracks RoboCop like tweets back at me. I'd buy that for a dollar. So really? Yeah, it happens. It's similar to something like uh, the the Big Lebowski bot. Like, like it automatically responds, "Dudeism, see you." If you that's quote great. Big Lebowski in some way. Moving on, let's get to the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. This is a sequel to The Amazing Spider-Man, of course. And um, this panel was a lot of fun. I, I really, I really enjoyed this panel, and for a lot of reasons. But let's start. Let's just lay out how it what happened. Um, what happened with the hall, Alan? With the with inside of Hall H as this panel was beginning. What do you mean? In terms of how did it change shape or presentation? Oh yeah, well. Last year, they premiered extra screens. So in the front of the hall, there's a big, big screen right in the middle of it. What they, do, what they did last year for Warner Brothers panel is that they peeled back curtains, and the curtains extended more widescreen length uh, screens. So what they did is that when Spider-Man started, lights went down, big screen turned on, and then they started unveiling the side screens. And then they started showing... Um, like I don't really know the term for it, but then it's kind of like a big. It's like a. It's like a really huge screensaver. It's yeah, yeah. They said like it's like on a loop, but it was really cool. They did it last year, and that was awesome. Yeah, it kind of adds a little extra emphasis to your presentation, where it's like it's it's Spider Man, and Spider Man's all around you. It's it's pretty cool. Ah. And so that happened, and like um, did who came out the uh like the, did just produce come out for it? like Aviarid and then well, no, what happened Mark is Webb? that because they played uh, the video. I know that way. When did the Avi. Mark, um, Dane DeHaan, Dane DeHaan, and, and then, the, the other producer, um, Mark uh, something or other. Yeah, they all came out, and yeah, they 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 basically introduced the fact that Spider Man's on his way. So they cut to a video, and you see Spider Man doing parkour all over San Diego in order to get to to Hall H in time to be on the panel. And you, and from the way they were framing it, you'd think he was gonna like swing on the stage or the roof or something like that, right? Didn't you have right. that kind of yeah. impression? Yeah, I wanted yeah. it to happen. Right, well, it would have like, been amazing. Call, it's a callback, and if you're a wrestling fan, it's from WrestleMania 12 with Shawn Michaels, because <laughs> in that scene, uh, in, in that thing, uh, Shawn Michaels like, I guess just like zip lined into the ring, or it, I'm sorry, zip lined into the audience, and I thought Spider Man was about to swing onto the stage, and I was gonna lose my shit. Yeah, um, that, he he didn't. That didn't happen. That, that didn't happen at all. He Spider Man just casually walked out the stage. And He's sat, like, hey, what's up? It sat down to the panel, but he was Spider Man. Um, we had Spider Man on the panel, not no one else. Just Sp- I mean, well, everyone else is there except Andrew Garfield. But Spider Man was, was there. He was completely being Spider Man. Uh, he was in character. It was great. It was so trade, much, fun. and he was really funny. Yeah, trading. He was trading quips. It was super fun. But let's move on to like why this became more fun because okay so Emma Stone wasn't there because she was filming a video in, a movie in France but she had a video just to say how you know she missed Comic Con and all that but that video was interrupted because J- because the introduction of Electro happened so you see kind of a you see a video that introduces Electro's character to an extent and then like Kanye's West's power starts playing and Jamie Foxx arrives on stage 
at, at the only kind of entrance I can imagine for Jamie Foxx. He rides. Right. <laughs> he rides. Or Jesus he, walks, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, or Gold Digger, since he's in that song. But um, he um, yeah. he gets on the stage. Jamie Foxx, big big applause and everything, and it's really fun. But Spider Man, he's really into the fact that Jamie Foxx is on stage, and he calls out like he calls Spider-Man out. Spider Man's stoked. Yeah, Spider Man's stoked. He like calls out Django and Chain. Now he loves it. And to which Jamie Foxx replied, um, I like the way you die, boy. And like he, and then Spider-Man asked him about any given Sunday of all movies and how he loved that movie. <laughs> to which Jamie Foxx like, starts acting like in character, Willie Beam, and starts rapping that song from any given Sunday. A, a movie I've only seen once back in 1998 when it came out. But I'm like, oh, he's completely doing Willie Beam right now. And it's like, all right, that's, that's fun. And <laughs> really, will it be? Yeah, it was great. I was, I, I've been, I've seen, I actually was, I'm a big fan of any given Sunday. So I don't know if you were sitting next to me. I was rapping along because that was great. I was there. Oh yeah, I was digging it, and I was rapping along yeah. too because I'm like, I have not heard that song in years, but I still know the lyrics for whatever reason. <laughs> and, um, it was just really, it was really fun. It was, it was really cool seeing that happen. And you know, they're they're having fun. Spider Man's having fun still. And then eventually he leaves, and then they premiere. Or no, he doesn't leave. They premiere footage first. So we see footage of Sp- Amazing Spider Man too. It's a lot of setup for the Electro character. I mean, it shows off what Spider-Man is right now. He's clearly, he's, you know, still Spider-Man. He's enjoying being Spider-Man. We see uh, Paul Giamatti, not in Rhino form. We know that we are aware that Paul Giamatti is apparently playing the Rhino, but he's still he's just playing kind of angry Russian gangster in the footage that we see. And um, so we see him, we see Spider-Man catch him and stuff. We And then we, you know, we start to get introduced to Jamie Foxx's character. What's Electro's name? Max? I think Max Shrek. Nope, that's not <laughs> return. That's no. Um uh, it's Max something or other. Max something or other. Okay. Well, he's like you know he's like an alienated scientist guy. He's really lonely and whatnot. And we kind of we see kind of glimpses of how he's going to evolve into the, into Electro, which includes him electrocuting himself and falling through several floors into a pit of electric electric eels. One of those kind of you know one of those things. It happens. And um, yeah, it becomes Electro. And we start to see you know some of the action taking place, and we get a lot more Electro action. We get get a. He's going to mess things up. He's gonna mess yeah, he's going to mess things up. We get to this really cool shot of Electro kind of arriving in Times Square and then, like, draining all of the energy out of this out of the area and then just blasting it back into Times Square and, like, kind of blowing up the the, the environment. It's it's really cool. It's a really cool. It's very infamous from that video It, it is game. very infamous, for sure, for the yeah. video game for video game nerds. Um, I'm one of them. I love infamous, both of them. Um, and, yeah, so we get that action. Then after that happens, um, Spider-Man leaves. Andrew Garfield comes out. Um... Andrew Garfield, he's he's like one of the best presences at Comic-Con in terms of kind of a person that is playing someone like iconic that needs to be on stage and represent that person to fans. He uh, He's very endearing. He has a great sense of humor. He doesn't talk down to you in the Q&A lines. Like you get terrible yeah. questions in the Q&A. You get terrible questions. But he's like happy to embrace that and just bring his warmth and energy to Comic-Con. And it's, it's something very... It's very personal. It's something you, you – that's the kind of ideal experience you want to see from someone talking about their movie at Comic-Con. His enthusiasm is infectious. It's nuts. Like, he is the main reason I like those movies, and not even because of the, him in the movie. It's just because of him as a person. He's just, he always has really good showings whenever he does these type of things. Yeah, like, recall a couple years ago when The Amazing Spider-Man was being premiered, he was dressed as Spider-Man standing in the Q&A line, and he, he wrote up a speech of what it meant to him to be Spider-Man. And now, like that, that quality has not gone away. That's nope. what, that's the impression that I took away from Andrew Garfield at Comic Con this year, where he's really excited once again 
to continue to play this guy that the world loves. Like that's that's how you describe this character. Yeah. I mean, it's Spider Man. And regardless of your thoughts on the movies, like that's just cool to me. That's just such a that's such a great And um so yeah, what else about the Spider Man panel? Um we learn about Dane DeHaan, who plays the who plays uh, Harry Osborne. We learn that he's kind of a, a childhood friend of Peter Parker, and the movie's gonna the movie's gonna kind of deal with where where he's been. He's been to boarding school, and he's coming back, and he's kind of kind of uh, approach uh, kind of what rectify his relationship with Peter. And, yeah. Uh, um. Actually, okay. Here's one thing. One one question that came up from the crowd is that um, Spider Man three faced the issue of having like so many characters, too many villains, and what have you. And so, like, what, what was the what was the plan for attacking this film, which does seem to have a lot, you know, be introducing a lot more characters and what have you. And Mark Webb, uh, did, he he responded pretty well. I mean, he said yeah. Electro is going to be the focus of this movie. He made that he seemed to make that very clear. It's like as much as they're having, as much as there are other subplots that are going to be taking place, they're not that he doesn't he doesn't want the film to lose focus of the fact that Electro is who Spider Man is battling in this movie. Like that's that's this plot. Among other things, that I'm sure will happen. But that, I mean, I can't exactly just you know take someone out their word. But I mean, I'd like to think that that's going to be true, and that bodes well for a sequel, a superhero sequel. I mean, they tend to be with the origin story out of the way, it tends to make things better for you know future installments because you can invest in other ideas that are somewhat more interesting, just because you you're not watching the same kind of origin story happen again and again and again. So, right. I mean, I, it gave me. It looks good. I, I'm I really like the first one. I'm one of the few like actual diehard comic fans who really liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I think that I think that the new one is going to have a lot of new stuff. Unless they're going to fix some of the stuff that wasn't working in the first one, because um, I think they're using Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. I guess um, yeah. the way Mark Webb described it was that he was almost like an opening act kind of like way to jumpstart the action in the film. And that's and, the impression that I always got from the idea of having Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. It just seemed like, well, yeah, he's probably going to be in like the beginning or something like that. Yeah. So my idea is do it the way that you've always should have done it, like with the shocker or somebody else is that you have this little meddling villain that you want to dispose of and just kind of get the action out of the way really fast for people. Then move on with the rest of the story. And I think that's what they're going to do with Electro. So I'm yeah. really excited. Yeah. So we'll see. Spider-Man two opens uh, next May and uh, let's move on. What else? Ha- what happened out there? It was the Metallica panel, correct? Ugh. don't even get me started. Um, so the, Metallica through the never is a new 3d concert film thing that they're doing. I really want to go to this Metallica show uh, that they were having a little bit later. So my buddies and I were in, we were in the Hall H, and we were waiting to see how they were going to give out tickets. Um, what they end up doing usually for swag, which is some of the free stuff that you get there, that they end up handing out raffle tickets to everybody. So what happened is that someone forgot to hand out the raffle tickets to the hall. <laughs> and when they announced the raffle ticket winning numbers, I think only 20% of the hall had raffled tickets with wow. them. So it turned into a big, big um, if I can say the word, uh, clusterfuck. That's Huge clusterfuck. Um, everybody was upset. Everybody was angry. I was fuming. Uh, my buddy Josh was crazy upset. We were all really, really angry. See, we, we, did, we haven't talked about this yet because I left the Metallica panel like midway through because I had to make it to something else. So, I, yeah, I have not heard this yet. That's, that's no, really yeah, sad. It's, it's, you can kind of tell everybody was embarrassed on the stage. Everybody was just pissed. I was, I was, I was just angry. I was like, I waited all day. I waited. I sat through your shitty panel for this. Um, to be fair, I mean, 
the odds weren't like exactly crazy high that you'd be getting in to go into the secret Metallica show that was happening in San Diego that night. Well, but I mean, was, I can understand the I can understand for sure being angry about the not, it was not even having was, a chance. Yeah. No, it was 500 tickets and half the hall was empty. True. So it would have been like 3,000. So my chances were okay. Okay. Uh, but still, it just was like no, I'm just more upset with the fact that they didn't try to rectify the situation another way, or it just that just was bad publicity for them. Um, so we didn't get tickets, and I ended up just uh, going home early. What about no, the, I didn't. Yeah. What about the footage from the film, though? Oh, it it's fine. I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, um, it's it looks like. There's basically a Metallica. I watched like some of it because I watched half, like half the clip they showed. It's like it's like a, it's a it's a Metallica concert's happening, but there's kind of a narrative that's going on with it. And you have Dane DeHaan who comes back out. He's, he was just Harry Osborne. Now he's uh, in the Metallica world. And there, there's kind of a narrative through line throughout this concert where like along with the music that you're hearing throughout, you have Dane DeHaan going on a kind of a journey to accomplish a certain objective and come back to the Metallica floor. So in doing that, he enters this kind of apocalyptic world that kind of fits into the theme of Metallica's music. So you're hearing all Metallica's rock while watching not a, not a silent film, but like a, you know, a dialogue free film of Dane DeHaan navigating himself through this crazy apocalyptic world that's happening around him. So there's like, right. there's like police and, and, and whatever rebels, whatever you want, scavengers, whatever you want to call them, like attacking each other. And Dane DeHaan's like kind of in the, in the, in the, in the shit, he's in the thick of it. And it's a 3d. So there you go. <laughs> it's a, it's going to be an IMAX. It's going to be in theaters. I like the idea of seeing a, an IMAX Metallica movie in 3D. That's that just seems intriguing to me. Well, good. No, no. Um, the concert footage because they built a special stage for the show for what the movie. Called? Do you recall what the nickname it, was for? The, for the for the stage? Yeah. No, I don't remember. Oh, they gave it something. It was like an the aircraft carrier stage or something. Like it was something. Yeah, they said it was like an aircraft carrier because you could just do everything. It was it's insane with the footage. It looks like a gnarly, gnarly stage. Yeah. And they were kind of talking about maybe going on tour with it. Maybe I'm like, I'll go see that tour. Um, and this looked really. It, the concert footage when they're actually playing looks really neat. It, I don't. I don't. I'm not really buying into the whole narrative behind it. I don't know why. That's a hard sell for me. Um, other than that, it was fine. Um, we stuck around for the end of that, and that was. It was an okay panel. It was just kind of a sour taste in everybody's mouth with what happened with the tickets. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Um, situation. The rest of my Friday night is negligible, but I can say that I saw the world's end that night, and I was quite pleased. Um, then I just went around the gas lamp district and hit up some parties. Let's move on. Let's go on to um, Saturday. Saturday at Hall H. Mm. Alan. Yes. You were not quite available Saturday. <laughs> One of my oldest childhood friends decided to be disrespectful and have their wedding on that Saturday. I really, really, really kind of debating whether I wanted to be a good person or not caring if I was a good person. Uh, I ended up going to the wedding because, you know, when, when, how often does that happen? Maybe twice. So <laughs> I went to the wedding. But here's what I did. I never left my Twitter feed. <laughs> All right, so you can, uh, you can happily aid me as, as I describe the I will, insanity that goes on that went on on Saturday. It was knocking futs. That's all I could describe. From what I was reading, I was like, wow, 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 wow. I was angry. I was so angry. So let me let me go over just an order here. Okay, so so and let me let me preemphasize this by saying Saturday was packed with everything, and it you was a packed hall. Oh my god. 
Uh, Other than three moments, I think everything should just be lightning round if you're going over Hall H. Yeah, I'll try to be. Um, but I will say that my roommate Mark, um, he um, for the weekend at Comic Con, he um, he got a, he went out there at 11:30 and got in line. And even by doing that, we were still sitting in like the second section back, like we were really far back. So people wanted to see what was going on in Hall H on Saturday. Uh, got in, no problem this day as opposed to Friday. First <laughs> first panel to start off the day, the legendary panel. Um, legendary. And it's the legendary slash Warner Brothers panel, but this is like the legendary side. There's also a Warner Brothers side. First thing that happened, Seventh Son came out. This is the new Jeff Bridges medieval fantasy film. Um, regardless of the movie, which doesn't look like all that inspiring, Jeff Bridges being on stage, that's fun. That was pretty cool. He had this laid back attitude. It, it worked really well. People were digging the dude on stage. It, it was fine. Um, I will say that that film's from the director of Mongol. I'm a big fan of Mongol, so that. It has to be slightly intrigued. That said, it's still coming out in January, so whatever. Next up, Godzilla. Godzilla happened. Um, I can say right now that I am way more excited for a Godzilla movie than I thought I would be. It's, <laughs> it's coming from the director... Um, is it Gareth Evans? Gareth Ed- Edwards. Yeah, I think it's Edwards. Uh, he did Gareth's. Monsters. He did the, yeah, he did the film Monsters, which is a really cool indie film um, that tackles the... I'm not going to get into it. Monsters is a cool movie. Check it out on Netflix if you can. Um... But uh, the the Godzilla in uh, in this movie we have Aaron Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, and Brian Cranston. They all came out on stage along with the director. Um, they gave us so they gave us a they showed they reshowed the footage that they showed last year at the when Godzilla was first introduced before people even knew it was kind of happening, which was pretty cool. Like it, it sets the tone and everything. But now they've shot the movie or they've really shot they pretty I think they pretty, pretty sure they finished filming. They're just you know working on you know getting Godzilla effects in I assume. So they yeah. showed they showed some footage of it. And we got kind of a trailer, and the way it looks is really interesting. I really like what's going on here. This is why I'm excited for it. The um, it, it's tackling the idea of Godzilla in like a really realistic manner. And I know that sounds goofy because it's Godzilla and he's going to be fighting other monsters and stuff. But I mean, that's what the tone is. And I was really impressed by what I saw. Um, in a world where like Pacific Rim exists, where it's on kind of the goofier end, even though I really love Pacific Rim, this movie exists in the head of a real world, and it's. From the way it starts out, it looks like less of a monster movie, more of just like an epidemic's occurring. That's kind of the picture we're seeing. We're seeing various glimpses of different things happening. Brian Cranston's in a scientist outfit, and he's like, he's running through halls, like, we gotta stop this, whatever. Aaron, Jaron Johnson's like a soldier. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's like a, she's, she's like, I think she's like a nurse or a doctor, and she's also a mother, and she's dealing with stuff. So we see a lot of kind of glimpses of the society that's going on, you know, things that are bad things happening. But then we get to like, what's the big threat? So we see, like, a monster. Not Godzilla. We see a monster at an airport. He, it's tearing up shit. You know, it happens. It knocks a helicopter out of frame. Not out of frame. It knocks a helicopter out. Cut to, like, inside the airport, like, watching behind the glass of the airport. You're watching the helicopter crash. It's kind of a panning shot that, like, is going through the airport. People are watching throughout out this window. They're watching this helicopter explode. It hits other planes. Planes are exploding. The tracking shot ends on the right side of the screen, and you see Godzilla's foot come down. And it's just like that's all you see. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's just the way they present it. It's pretty awesome. And then you cut to like this other monster again, and you see something emerging behind it, which is Godzilla, and it's huge. the The scale that they're going for in this movie, much like how Pacific Rim just like dominated in the term of like scale, this movie also wants to tell you that Legendary Pictures knows what big monsters are, and that's what they want to show you on screen. Um, yeah, and I was not expecting to see like kaiju versus kaiju action in this Godzilla movie, but that's what we're getting, and that excites me. So there you go, Godzilla. What happened after Godzilla? Um, 
Warcraft. Warcraft happened. Surprising Warcraft. No one knew this was coming, but they um they sh- and we didn't even know it was Warcraft until it was happening. So basically, the world of Warcraft has a movie being made about it. If anyone didn't know that, uh, Duncan Jones, director of Moon and Source Code, he's directing the film. What we see in the footage, we see a, we see a soldier or not a soldier. We see like a a knight, whatever it would be called. Um, he's standing in the desert. We don't know what's happening. A lot of close-ups on his eyes. It has a really Western tone, actually, even though we know it's dealing with some kind of fantasy world. Then we then we see just from the perspective of another creature, it looking at this guy. The man now has a shield and a sword in his hand. The creature that we're who's who we have his POV. He's kind of circ. They're kind of going over their steps. They're circling each other, and then they start to charge at each other. Smash cut to like the creature lifting up a big hammer that I think is a very signature Warcraft thing, and he just smashes it into the camera. It was pretty cool. Um, I don't I have know. A question is yeah. that is a CGI? Uh, yes. Um, yes, like it was. Even the even the man is so it's gonna be no, a the man the man's thing. real the man yeah oh, okay. it's, yeah it, it's a it's a real guy uh, but yeah the creature was CG um, <laughs> I, I I don't know what to expect of this movie I have no idea what a World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. Warcraft movie is Duncan Jones didn't have anything else to offer he just said yep that's the that's a tone there you go and then he left that was the extent of the Warcraft <laughs> footage we moved on we got to um, 300, uh, 302, 301, uh, 300 of the rise what is it Sorry. Um, Rise of an Empire? Rise of an Empire. There, I think it's Rise something. Um, uh, we see a lot of extended footage here for 300 to get a good vibe of, you know, of uh, what the sequel is going to be. It shares a lot with its with its uh, predecessor, but at the same time, it's kind of expanding its scope, I would say. It's very much placed at sea. We've talked about the 300 trailer before. If you've seen that, you kind of get an idea already, but this one just showed kind of more footage. I like 300. I'm a big fan of the first film. Um, I... The only question I have is why did we wait till now to do this new one? So I don't know how relevant it's going to feel, but at the same time, I mean, there's it looks like more 300. It's, it'll probably be at least entertaining. I can't say it's going to like rock the world as much as 300 did. I can't say 300 rocked the world either, but you know, it, it introduced a new style that you know has been mimed several times. So yeah, 300. Um, moving on, get to the because there's so much stuff to cover for Saturday. Yeah. Um, the what, that was the end of the, the legendary half of this. Next, the Warner Brother side of, of this panel came up which started out with Gravity uh, the Gravity panel, the new film from director Alfonso Cuaron and starring George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock came out as well first time at Comic Con for her uh, this led to showing us an extended kind of 3 to 5 minute scene from Gravity, All it was all a single take sequence and some of that's been in the, one of the recently released trailers for Gravity but it was, it was very impressive I was really digging, have you watched the, the new trailer Alan? No no? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to describe it. I'm just going to say it's just this long shot that looks so incredibly complicated from a technical standpoint. But it just, it was just, it was just, I want to see this movie yesterday. Like, of all the footage I've seen, as much as it's, like, cool to, you know, see upcoming superhero movies and stuff, Gravity's one that I've been looking forward to for quite some time as a huge fan of Coron and Children of Men. Like, it's just seeing, like, some what he's going to do next and now, you know, having that, you know, presented in front of me and, like, giving me an idea of what that's going to be, I'm just really excited for this movie. And, like, my friend next to me, who I was sitting with all day, he looked at me, he's like, that was exhausting. And that's kind of <laughs> just the idea that you get from just, like, five minutes of this movie, which has just craziness happening in space. It's, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's see. Any any thoughts on, on where we are at this point, Alan? Um, no, I don't really start losing my shit until the next little bit. Okay. Um, let's see. After Gravity, uh, the Lego movie panel 
came about. The uh, as I mentioned, the directors of uh, Twenty One Jump Street and Claudia uh, Vigenza Meatballs are directing this film, and you you had um, various people come out of the stage. They're talking about the the um, uh, Bill making the Lego uh, movie. The the thing I can say is that everything in the movie is utilizing like blocks, like actual Lego blocks, like it's things that people can actually make. That's the idea. And it's a mix of of stop motion and just and CG to make this movie work. It looks really funny to me. I I very I'm intrigued by this. But, I mean, I can't... There's not, there's not much else I can delve into on it, so I'm just going to move on. Next up was Edge of Tomorrow. This is a new film from director Doug Lyman that stars Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Tom Cruise came to Comic-Con. Didn't see that coming, but here he was. <laughs> um, he was here, and, uh, yeah, Emily Blunt came out, and um, uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who I'm a big fan of, actually. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote the film. And the film Edge of Tomorrow, it's essentially... it's it's takes place in the future... It's kind of this Groundhog's Day meets a sci-fi mech warrior concept. That's kind of the idea. I think Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise's character, he he dies, <laughs> and uh, he gets to relive that last day of his life over and over and over again, while figuring out like what's going on. And he's using mech suits. It's neat. Um, um, they they showed some footage. Footage looks promising. Doesn't come out until next year, but that's what I can do for now. Next up, okay. Here, here's here's like the a, a big bomb that was dropped on Comic Con that was kind of on the Twitters already, but it was confirmed at the panel. Uh, Zack Snyder rolls up onto the stage uh, unannounced. Uh, he just comes out. He talks about um, the success of Man of Steel and how he's looking for ideas for what to do next. And he just he he frankly he got it. He had an idea, and so he he calls up Harry Lennox because Harry Lennox has a good voice, and he asks him to read something. He reads a passage from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. This, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And this uh, confirms that there's going to be a Batman-Superman movie. There's no idea what the premise is so far. We don't, we know, we don't, he says that he's taken kind of, taken some notes from Dark Knight Returns, but we're not, we're not necessarily seeing Dark Knight Returns being turned into a film, but we're, we don't even know if it's kind of a versus movie or if they're, right. you know, if they're super friends or not, but we're, we're getting a, the next Man of Steel movie is not going to be Man of Steel 2. It's going to be Batman versus Superman. Alan, what are your thoughts on this? I, uh, yeah, I'm really excited, but I'm also really, really kind of hesitant because I don't know, I don't know where he's coming from if he's using Dark Knight Returns. But it's it's a Superman sequel, but it's going to be based off of a Batman book. That makes me uneasy. But the fact that they're going for it, I'm yeah, I want I want to see them do a ballsy move. I think it'd be cool. I don't necessarily know if Zack Snyder would be the right person to do Dark Knight Returns, because there's a lot of nuance and subtlety in that story. But you know, whatever. I, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, this is I, so. I should note that yeah, it is it is a movie being directed by Zack Snyder and written by David S. Goyer. Christopher Nolan has reverted to executive producer status, so he's not even going to be involved too much in the story this time around. Yeah, you you guys got this. Don't worry. So that'd be really cool. Um, I'm excited. I'm down. I like that they're using the uh, Dark Knight Frank Miller logo for the Batman logo for Batman Superman. Yeah, and that to me, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that's just kind of like a a temp <laughs> um, yeah. logo, but at, at the same time. They're specifically not using the, the the Batman logo established by the Nolan universe, which definitely you know implies that they're going to be using a new Batman. Because I can't imagine Christian Bale coming back, especially with Nolan at such a reduced status for this film. Um, I will say that the novelty sure excites me. I love Batman. I love Batman yeah. movies. So why not see a Batman and Superman movie? That's awesome. 
I can't say that like this is the thing that I needed to see next in the terms of a DC universe. I as much as it's like, hey, we're getting another Batman movie at the same time. I'm coming off of like, give me a we, Flash movie. Or give me something. a Flash movie. Give me a world. Give me a Wonder Woman movie. I mean, these are things that I'd like to see happen first before we already move into like another iteration of characters that we've already seen. I mean, we're coming off of the end of a Batman trilogy yeah. and, a, and a Superman movie that was frankly just very divisive. I mean, not it's not like everyone's lining up. To, to to rally behind Man of Steel, I know Alan, you loved it. I know Josh loved it. Yep. I mean, but like, it it seems like we're rushing into something like to, to depend on Batman to save us again, and that just doesn't seem like the the smartest move to me. I mean, I feel like Marvel has a big whiteboard that like connects all the lines for where they're trying to do at this end, and DC just has like some guy with a post-it note running up with ideas. Like that's the impression that I'm getting at this point. Well, I think that if Batman is in this universe, and the idea that Superman was able to kill more people in five minutes, not purposely, but, you know, unintentionally. And Batman never really killed anybody in his three movies. Um, I think there's something to answer for that. And if we are connecting all these movies, they're all going to be the same universe. Batman's not going to be quiet. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's certainly an angle that I'd like to see represented on film. Like that's like, that's cool. That's a neat idea. I, I mean, I, I can't, I just can't say I could have anticipated. Yeah. That. I would have anticipated, you know, the the rise of Lex Luthor as like the savior of Metropolis or something like that, given the, the way Man of Steel ended. But uh, but it's so early right now to really start talking about. What it really is, yeah. Doing, so. I mean, every, and like it's not like a it's not like I'm not going to see a movie about Batman and Superman. Right. It's not like I'm not going to be excited as I see you know images from the movie and you know initial footage of things a year from now when the movie comes to Comic Con again next year. Uh, I just want to know casting. That's mostly my thing. Yeah, uh, happy to learn about that too. That's all um, I want to know. Moving on, let's get to the um, the, the Lionsgate panel. This was uh, first thing they showed was I Frankenstein. I could not care less about this movie. Um, comes out in January. Stars Aaron Eckhart as a Frankenstein who you know battles people using his Cali stick fighting moves. And um, it look it's from the it's, it it highlights the the fact that it's from the producers of Underworld. I think people that know me know that I do not give a damn about Underworld or Resident Evil. I, I like that, that those movies are interchangeably bad to me. And um, seeing Aaron Eckhart battle like stone gargoyles and whatever else it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me that much from what I was looking at. So, you know, let's move on. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, Catching Fire. This is the new this is the sequel to Hunger Games. Um, as much as Game of Thrones and Walking Dead were a big draw the previous day, I think Hunger Games was a huge draw as well for Saturday, among the other things that are going to be talked about soon. And, I mean, yeah, I I like the first Hunger Games movie. I like this cast. They all came out. It was fun seeing Jeffrey Wright on stage. And uh, it was fun seeing Lenny Kravitz on stage. And it's really fun seeing Jennifer Lawrence. As much as I like Andrew Garfield on stage, I think Jennifer Lawrence also kind of has the right attitude that's needed to kind of and not just win over the crowd, but be a person that you you know like seeing at Comic Con. Like she has a great sense of humor. Um, she she knows how to kind of conduct herself within this audience, as opposed to kind of the 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 more audience that's focused on her for in terms of her Oscar win. Now she's back in the you know the the geek crowd that wants to see her play this character that they love and play in a part of this world that people love reading about. Like so. I mean, she she's a lot of fun on stage, but you know the rest of the cast is too. And so we got to see uh, the newest trailer, which is already online. And I can just continue to say that I, I like the first Hunger Games. This movie looks like a, a, a nice step 
in the right direction as well. I think the it's it's being marketed very similarly as the last one, where you see a lot of kind of world building and very little of the actual games. Like there's next to nothing, and uh, that's a that's a good way to go about marketing the film. I would say. Um, any thoughts on Hunger Games, Alan? Before I move on, I haven't seen the first one, so oh. good for them. Okay. Uh, okay, so next up was the Fox panel. Um, that's not true. I lied. I'm skipping ahead. I will say, because I need to point this out, because I think this is worth mentioning. Um, the Women Who Kick Ass panel was after the Hunger Games, Hunger Games panel, which is fitting, I guess, because you're talking about strong female leads. Um, and in this panel, you had uh, five women come on the stage, as well as a, f- a female reporter for the Entertainment Weekly. Uh, these women, The women on stage included Michelle Rodriguez. Um, God, that's going to bug me. Um, Maggie Q. Um, the lead actress from Orphan Black. Um, what's her name? Mel... I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm no help to you. Um, God, that's going to bug me too. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. There it is. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. Um, uh, the, the actress from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um, what's her name? To, um, Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff. How many have I named? <laughs> is that four? Um Ah, there's one more that I'm not remembering. Hey, okay, I can, if I can think of it, I will. Uh, regardless, there's this whole panel devoted to women that kick ass. And this is going to be like one of the more underrated panels of Comic-Con, I think, because it's in Hall H, but it's not a big movie thing. But at the same time, this is a really good panel. These these were women talking about their roles in films and, and, and TV shows and how they've kind of evolved and what's going on. What's not right about them? What's what could be changed? And what is what has gone right about them? Like they're just they're they're an, they're analyzing the 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 female role and how it's kind of impacted pop culture. And it's it was really fascinating to listen to, and it 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 didn't necessarily shed light on things. It just kind of like highlighted things that are true about kind of about about this this sect of a uh, of filmdom of just of women's role in. In these kind of big, these kind of big blockbuster movies, and in these big TV shows and things, that, oh, it was the Denai Guerra from uh, Walking Dead, Michonne. That, that was who I'm forgetting. Um, and it was just a there really. You go. I was, knew you get it. I, I get knew it. You get I got it. it. It was a really well thought out panel, though. And even the Q and A questions were really good. They led to like really strong answers that were just. It was just really fascinating to listen to. It was a very good, very good way to spend an hour. I was very happy to do that. Um, so after that, Fox panel happened. Um, Fox had some stuff to show off. And they kind of rushed into Dawn, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which I'm looking forward to. I, I, I really like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And this one, they, they there was, wasn't was a whole lot to show, but the cat the cast came out. Carrie Russell, Jason Clark, and Andy Serkis, as well as the director, um, Matt Reeves, who did uh, Cloverfield and uh, Let Me In, the Let the Right One In remake. And um, they because like Weta takes a lot to like, get the effects going, they had nothing to show except kind of a, a very brief glimpse. But they gave kind of a... A little bit of a trailer. They get, it was very similar to Godzilla, actually, where the, it starts out kind of with this epidemic vibe of, of humanity kind of dying out based on the kind of virus that spreads from the last film. And then you cut to Caesar uh, in the Caesar wearing war paint. You get this, this tight close up on his face, and it pans out, and it looks fantastic. Weta just keeps improving. I mean, and just how great these these apes look. You pan out from Caesar to like a bunch of apes in the trees, and they just kind of attack the camera. Stop. Title card done. That's all they had to show. Look cool. It takes place ten years later, apparently, and you know the ape societies are forming and what have you. But you know we'll see more about that next year. Moving on, Wolverine was next. Hugh Jackman comes out. Hugh Jackman, classiest guy. I, he, I, well, well, Hugh Jackman seems like the nicest guy around. 
him and director James Mangold, they came out, they talked about Wolverine, they showed a sizzle reel of footage. By the time you listen to this, Wolverine's in theaters now. You can see the movie yourself. I really liked it. Spoilers. Um, and yeah, it, 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 was, it was fun to see that. But moving on, the next thing that came out, Wolverine brings out, he, he talks about this small director that he wants to give some props to and bring him out on stage. He brings out Brian Singer. Um, Brian Singer, still filming X-Men Days of Future's Past, Days of Future Past, he he um he acknowledges this, but at the same time he's like, I cut together some footage, and he presents X Men Days of Future's Past footage. The footage for X Men looked fantastic. Like I I've been very I, for me personally, I've been very skeptical about the new X Men movie just because it looks like they're just cramming every mutant possible, and I know that's required in a story like Days of Future Past. But at the same time, my biggest issue with X Men movies is that they tend to be very crowded with X Men, which doesn't necessarily help the story overall. Even though I really enjoy X Two and like X Men First Class. The only the only the main issues I have with those movies is that they're trying to do so much, even though I, those are the ones that I really love. With that said, the tone of this movie, just from the footage we're seeing, just looked excellent. I'm like really, I'm way more excited about it now than I was beforehand, and it's just what he's going for, and it just had me really excited. What were you hearing on the on the twitters about this, Alan? Well, I was kind of going through like, okay, I just want to know about Wolverine. Are they gonna because I didn't know if Fox was gonna do a FF thing or a Days of Future Past thing. When you're in Comic-Con, you kind of see the Sentinel head was kind of used as a prop around the corner from the convention. You're like, oh, they're going to do Days of Future Past. By, by FF, you're that? referring to the chance that they could have presented something about the new Fantastic Four. Movie. Yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no so they didn't, they didn't do that. They did something with Days of Future Past. And X-Men was my, is my favorite team, like book, just favorite team. So I was like, oh, dude, it'd be really cool if they did Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and maybe like Hugh Jackman. No, they did not do that. They brought out fucking everybody and by everybody i mean everybody but essentially all the characters from first class are going to be in the new film and the original x-men so halle berry anna paquin um who else came out I, there's so many people yeah, they, at they, that yeah. point i just freaked out everyone was coming out yeah ellen page was coming out as you said uh ian mckellen patrick stewart james mcavoy michael fassbender michael fassbender being in the same room with me being in the same room with michael fassbender I, i'm just very happy because i really like michael fassbender but, Everybody um, got super sexy whenever he was in that room. That's right. Like I'd go gay for Fastbender, but Magneto on stage was literally going gay for Fastbender. Like, Ian, oh, it was great. Yeah, I read that. It was Ian, fantastic. Ian, Ian, Ian McKellen was like hitting on Michael Fastbender after like complimenting California on the whole Prop Eight thing, which was hilarious. But regardless of all this, all of them were there, and the energy in that room was just fantastic at that point. Like it's just like so much greatness was coming out of the room just from like. The fans just going wild for this, and then the people on stage being wild for the, the the fans giving that them that energy. It's such a great feeling to like have waited for like you know all day to see something, and then have that thing just deliver so well. And that's kind of the vibe you're getting from this X Men panel, along with all the other panels that are going on that day. Like it's such a, it felt for me for me personally, it's such a positive experience because it, even like the movies that I don't necessarily plan on seeing, or at least you know didn't have much enthusiasm towards, everyone there just seemed like they wanted to be there, and that's not something you always get but that's the ideal experience and that is why this is one of my favorite comic this is my favorite comic-con experiences because i i was getting that vibe throughout my week there which i think is best epitomized just by constant like photo updates and tweets and everything but i mean that's that's what it was like and and so getting back to the x-men panel seeing you know 20 people on stage who were filming in montreal but flew all the way over to san diego to talk to the fans about this movie that they're filming so they can be happy it was really cool. Like, in regardless of the movie's not good, which I, I would doubt, or at least would doubt that it's 
bad as opposed to just decent. I mean, it's an experience you won't be able to, you know, you can't, re- you can't replicate that. And that's, that, that's the kind of excitement that you like to see at Comic-Con. Yeah, would have loved to have seen it. Sorry. It's not your fault. I know. But yeah, that was... I just heard about that. And I was like, that's... That's depressing. And well, then, speak, you know... Speaking anyway. of depressing, let's move on to uh, the Marvel panel. After the okay. Fox extravaganza... Uh. <laughs> after the Fox extravaganza ended, uh, we got to the Marvel panel. Uh, Kevin Feige comes out, producer of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And... Um, <clears throat> He um he gets to talking and you know he's about to about to start showing something off and then all the power goes out, which is I put that in quotation marks. The power goes out, lights kick back on. Well, lights kind of kick back on. Someone starts talking. It's Loki. Loki starts talking. He's giving off his monologue. Lights come back on. Loki's on stage. Not Tom Hiddleston. Loki's on stage, and he's he's talking to the audience. He's tell he's talking about how they they have they're his they're his now. He should he's joining them. He's part of their army. He's gonna he's their slaves. And just he's making everyone he's making everyone bow to their bow to his greatness and all that, which is a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> and um, that eventually ends, and we get to see some Thor: The Dark World footage. Uh, the footage we see is just this epic battle sequence, basically. And it, it you see some of the stuff from the it's it's a it's like an extended trailer, but you I mean you see a good portion of one battle in particular. It looks pretty cool. The scale's much larger than the first Thor. Um, there's some there's some craziness that goes on in the last couple couple seconds of the store footage that I, I'm not going to reveal here. I'm sure you can find it elsewhere if you really want to. But at the same time, I'll just say, um, given that the new Thor is directed by a Game of Thrones veteran, I can acknowledge the fact that some plot elements from Game of Thrones seem to be making their way into Thor. That's all I'll say. Um, so that ends. Then no one from Thor came actually because I think they're just still working on it. But at the same, was it a disarming experience? It, I, I was I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it was it certainly it dropped it brought my guard down as to what, what I was expecting to see from Thor versus what I actually did see moving on Captain America the Winter Soldier that was the next panel that happened they came out Captain America Chris Evans came out Scarlett Johansson Anthony Mackie who plays the Falcon Sebastian Stan who plays the Winter Soldier Sam Jackson and the Russo brothers, the Russo brothers who are mainly known for their work in directing sitcoms like Community episodes and Grass Development episodes, and have also they've directed they directed a couple of movies. Um, but this is their you know they're taking on a big Marvel movie now, which is something that kind of excites me just because I, I like that idea. It's something it's thinking outside the box, which Marvel has you know found success in doing in the past. Um, but yeah, the panel comes out, um, they talk and what have you, but then they show off of some Captain America footage. The the scene they show is kind of a, a big fight scene that takes place inside of an elevator where Captain America is basically fighting against ten other people and it's really fun, really creative. And then it cuts to you know a lot of um, kind of more footage from the rest of over the rest of the movie, which you see some pretty pretty crazy stuff going on here. You get there's a lot of stuff involving uh, Captain America, not versus, but kind of arguing against Nick Fury. You get a glimpse of the Winter Soldier. You get some Falcon footage. You get Scarlett Johansson doing all kinds of stuff as Black Widow. And uh, it's pretty cool. You see, you see another another thing that you wouldn't, you know. I'm not gonna spoil it, but you, you see some see some other stuff happen too, like involving certain iconic things involving the Avengers and the and Shield. Um, it's cool. It was it was it was promising. And you see Robert Redford, Robert Robert Redford, who is in the film. He he, he makes an appearance on the footage as well. And 
the the tone of this is certainly very different from Thor. Thor's tone is certainly you know epic action. This this had a they're really going for kind of an espionage vibe. That's what it that's what it seems like here. And I'm I'm digging that. I'm digging that. Uh, so that panel concludes, and then we get to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. They literally started filming that movie like like well, a week ago, like like almost, um, yeah, like a week ago. They flew in from London just to kind of Comic Con and show off some new footage, and then only to fly back to London later that night. But everyone came out. Chris Pratt came out. Uh, Zoe Saldana, uh, Benicio del Toro came out. Uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, Lee Pace, Ter- uh, what's her name? Uh, from Doctor Who, Karen, uh, Karen, 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 like Tilly. Yeah, she's shaved now. Yeah, so. she shaved her head to represent the character, and and of course James Gunn. Um, the footage they showed of um, of Guardians of the Galaxy was was frankly awesome. Like I was, I, I didn't know what to expect. Although I am a big fan of James Gunn, and I, I, once again, I'm a big fan of Marvel. Kind of thinking outside the box and doing something weird as as, as weird as it already is that there's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. The footage, having James Gunn do it, that's pretty cool. But the footage, it has this great irreverent tone that they're going for, which is something unlike other Marvel movies that have certainly more of a a, a kind of a G whiz, very poppy sense abilities going on. This one. It almost has the vibe of like a like a Kurt Russell James John Carpenter movie. Like it 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 um has this kind of sar- sarcastic tone with with um Chris Pratt's character Star Lord and um just and, and just seeing Rocket Raccoon in action. Just seeing all this stuff. It was really exciting. I'm really I'm really looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm looking forward to people being able to see that footage because it was it was very promising. It really shows off this other other side of the Marvel universe that they. That apparently he's been going for in the in the upcoming films. Um, so that was pre- presumably the last thing they had been in the Marvel panel, except then Joss Whedon just walks on the stage and um, he introduces some footage from not footage, but just kind of a, a teaser for Avengers Two. What we see is kind of Iron Man's helmet getting bashed into something else. Turns out to be Ultron's helmet, and yeah, we have Age of Ultron is the next Avengers movie. Alan, are you familiar with uh, Ultron the character? Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, Ultron was um, an unofficial intelligence that was created by Hank, Hank Pime, who was one of the original Avengers. He was Giant Man and eventually turns into Ant-Man and then Yellow Which Jacket. is the film that Edgar Wright will be working on after. Correct. Right? I'll come out after Avengers 2. After Avengers 2. So I'm just curious. Ultron ends up being the Avengers' biggest threat, mostly because it was a homemade threat. Hank Pym ended up creating Vision and ended up creating Ultron, and they're all kind of the same. They're all from Hank Pym. So... The Age of Ultron comic storyline essentially is where Ultron wins, and he essentially just wants to destroy mankind, and he will find any facet to do it, and he goes through any type of technology that he wants to. So even when you think you destroy Ultron, you never really do because he's somewhere else, and he's smarter than us. Um, so Age of Ultron is essentially just, in the comic book, is a separate storyline that star. It's funny because the main stars of that book are Wolverine and Susan Storm, so I don't really know how they're going to do it. I'm very curious how they're going to... It just seems... To me, when I heard that, I was like, wait. That seems like they gave us the title to number three, not to number two. Because they haven't they haven't laid anything down for that. So essentially, I think that the end credits for Avengers was more for Guardians. Oh, yeah. Everything's I, just kind of... I, I can't just, say that because um, Guardians of the Galaxy, they've confirmed that that Thanos is the um, the villain for Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, he is? Yes, okay. he is. 
so yeah. So it's just interesting how they're going to set up. If it's, it's, I don't know if Hank Pym's in either Captain or if he's in Thor. How they going to? Or maybe my theory was maybe that Bruce Banner or Tony Stark created. From the, Ultron. I mean, they showed Iron Man's helmet um, being right. bashed into turning into Ultron. So that's my assumption, I guess, right? Because, it, and especially based on how probably I don't know, especially, but I mean, based on how Iron Man three ends, I mean, it, he could just be you know building other things like something to take his place or something like that. Maybe There's a lot of ideas. I, you, know. you could do that, but then also what? Like then Hank Pym is going to come in after the fact. It's just kind of interesting. I'm, it's just like the Batman Superman thing. I'm just curious how they're going to do it. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't think that just I, I think Joss Whedon is a <laughs> strong enough force in the in the comic world, and you know, I think he's knows, more capable than Zack Snyder. So yes, I, I agree, and you know, I think I think he's knowledgeable enough to know how to pay tribute to to the to the Ultron arcs in various forms, as well as I'm, you know, creating a story that fits into this world that's already been created in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. So I'm 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 for it. That's fine. That's cool. It's a new Avengers movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's a new Avengers movie, and it's going to start Ultron. I'm like, yeah. I just need part three to have King the Conqueror, and I'll be set. (laughs) I love King the Conqueror. It's so good. Oh, so good. Or the Under Siege one. The Under Siege Avengers storyline was cool because it's when um, all the Avenger villains get together and just kind of take apart the Avengers from the inside of the mansion. It's pretty cool. It's a cool story. So that was the... uh, That was... um... Well, that wasn't quite the end because uh, Kevin Smith always does his Saturday panel. I didn't say for the right. same because I just I had work to do. I, <laughs> I have pages and pages of notes that I'm still transcribing into articles as we speak. But um, yeah, that was the end of you know the main movie events of Hall H on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do on Sunday, Alan? I went through the floor again. Um, just kind of wanted to walk around and kind of because I didn't really get a good sense on Thursday. I only had like two three hours of floor time. So on Sunday, I go into the fulfillment room to pick up my Game of Thrones swag. Um, yeah. which is kind of cool. I got a new shirt out of it. And then I just kind of walked around. I bought an image, Science is the New Rock and Roll t-shirt, which is um, from the Nowhere Men comic book, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, <laughs> I just kind of walked around a lot, and then um, I had really... In Comic-Con, it's kind of really crappy, spotty service. So uh, I was. I know Aaron and I kind of wanted to do this podcast that day. We didn't get a chance to because my phone was just being stupid. Um, what we ended up doing was going back to Hall H because uh, I wanted to catch the community panel mm-hmm. and then I wanted to catch the Always Sunny in Philadelphia panel and the Sons of Anarchy panel. Um, and that's kind of all I did. So with the community panel, we kind of walked in halfway. I stopped watching community last season because I just I got over it. I didn't particularly find it funny anymore. Okay. Um, Dan Harmon's coming back for next season, so I'll start watching it again and just pretend that the other thing didn't happen for those unfamiliar dan Harmon was the showrunner and creator of community for the first three seasons and then he was fired by nbc and then he was brought he, he was resurrected and brought back for the fifth season of community right so yeah that was cool they kind of chit-chatted um allison pre allison was it, yeah allison brie and ken jiang shared like a really funny moment within one another she actually, ended up putting. I, I, I actually watched that uh, that whole panel today. It's on YouTube. It's oh yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. It was pretty funny. It was pretty cool. Um, then the Always Sunny panel came out and they showed the season premiere, like they always do. Is it? I've, I've never actually seen like the the Sunday t- TV panels. They, they always show the the first episode. Of For Always Sunny in Philadelphia, every time I've seen it, they always end up showing the season premiere. Huh. Always. Um, and then they talk for like thirty minutes and then they leave. And, you know, they're pretty cool. They're all really personal dudes. Uh, Charlie Day is, like, the king of Hall H that day. Everybody loves him. Um, he's, a lot of fun really funny. Pacific, he's a lot of fun at Pacific Rim. 
Yeah, he is. The people loved him. They were talking about that. And then Sons of Anarchy came out. They showed, like, I don't know if, any, if anyone's ever familiar with Sons of Anarchy. They always, like, the cold open that they do before the credits actually run. They showed that for the season premiere in uh, September. And then they showed, like, a sizzle reel of what happens. And a lot of cool stuff happens. And every every current member of Sons of Anarchy was on the panel. So you had Charlie Hunnam. You had Katie Seagal. You had Ron Perlman. You had Theo Rossi. Um... Uh, Kim Coates. Then you had, I can't remember their names. It's uh, Chibs. Then they had uh, Unger, and then they had um, Elvis. Uh, but uh, they were all there, and it was really cool. They were all just kind of talking about the show. And what's uh, what's Kurt Sutter like? Kurt Sutter's a weird, like a cool dude. Um, he kind of talks. He's he plays um oh he plays one of the uh he plays Ozzy or yeah. I believe it's Ozzy. I, I'm terrible with character names. You'll learn. If you've listened to the podcast, you know this. I believe he plays Ozzy, the um, the son that's in jail, and he always has something bad. So he's just like this gentleman that has longer hair. He's tattooed. He's really smart, and the way he talks is really cool. He's just kind of a gnarly dude, and he's married to Katie Seagal. Did not and, know that. All right. Yeah, he's married to Katie Seagal. So they're, they, it's just, he's just an interesting character because he... he you can tell he likes the crowd in Comic Con, but not necessarily just his crowd, but not necessarily everybody else there, because he likes talking to the fans and he likes he's really he's really really um present on Twitter. His presence on Twitter is he's always on that thing. Um, he's always retweeting. He, he likes to talk to his fans. He likes to get their input, whether or not he uses it or not. Um, but it was nice. And then Charlie Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam, people really like, and I, I I enjoy him enough. I don't think he's the greatest actor in the world, but his presence—he's no Garrett Hedlund in Tron Legacy. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but his presence isn't really there. Kurt Sutter had the most presence on that panel because of the way he talked, the way he presented himself, and how much gusto he was when he was talking about stuff. I mean, it was funny to see Charlie Hunnam smile. He smiled a couple times on the panel, so that was nice. Oh, and Theo Rossi, the character, the, the actor who plays Juice. Uh, one, I've met him before, and he's he is the sweetest guy in the world. And he just he knew how to talk to the panel, and he was kind of really, his presence was felt. Everybody else was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And we, they kept talking about Opie, and I miss Opie. So it was cool. Uh, and then they ended, and then we left, and they gave me a keychain that I'll never use, and a T-shirt for Always Sunny. And then I left Comic Con. I yeah. After that, we just went to Hodad's, and I had my traditional uh, Hodad's burger, and then we went home. Nice. That's yeah. a. I also I just I mainly walked the floor that day. And just I wanted to take a lot of pictures. So that's what I did. I took plenty of pictures, which I. Like oh, we know, we yeah. know, Aaron. We know. It's a joke. So I posted plenty of pictures. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean that's pretty much all that happened at Comic Con. Um, How do you know if someone went to Comic Con? Oh, don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> it's. I had a I had a great time at Comic Con this Good. year. I, it and there was just a lot of cool stuff to see. I uh, I mean, for anyone that has never gone to Comic Con, I mean, you know, wants to, just I hope hope you would be able to someday make it because it's certainly an experience worth checking out. Just don't expect to see everything because it's impossible to. <laughs> There's just tons of things. Oh yeah, no, you're never gonna catch everything. I've been going for seven years and I'm never able to. No, it's just it's awful. It's just it's like going to Coachella. It's essentially a uh, nurse Coachella. <laughs> If you're a comic nerd or like a movie kind of nerd, it's your Coachella because you're gonna get all these big people, and you're, you're the 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 top two things you want to do are always gonna be going against each other. 
Um, oh, and then I'm sorry. Also, Sunday I went to a comic book panel for the X Men. Um, nice. So that was nice. And then on Thursday I went to a Vertigo panel. Cool. So, so those are my comic booky things that I did. I went to a to a Masters of the Web panel, which was about horror movies, and featured a number of number of uh, horror bloggers, including friend of the show Jimmy O from JoeBlow.com, and also the um, Adam Wingart and um, Simon Barrett, who directed one of the segments from VHS Two, as well as uh, the film You're Next, which is coming uh, coming out very soon. And that was that was a cool panel. Yeah, cool. Talked about horror movies and its place in geek culture. Anything else before we wrap up here? I don't think so. Yeah, it's late. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, yeah, Comic-Con, a lot right, cool. of fun. We went over it. Alan, thank you for joining me to discuss Comic-Con this year. No worries, man. Hopefully next year we can uh, get more people involved or uh, be talking at, be nice? or talk at Comic-Con good. or maybe even do like a kind of a daily recap to stitch them all together or something daily like that. Daily recap would be fun. That'd be fun, yeah. We'll see. But yeah, cool. But I feel like our daily recaps will just be like, oh, my God! Instead of like taking a day or two to process all the information, yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be really funny. So, because if you did it right after Saturday, like after Age of Ultron, and all right, Aaron, what do you think about today? <laughs> I think that's how our podcast, how like those days would sound. Well, yeah, but for me anyway. Anyway, yeah, well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of uh, Out Now Aaron today. This bonus episode, you can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com, where you can find my, all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com. You can find all my Comic-Con coverage there. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Alan, where can people find more of your work? Well, right now you can find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com backslash mrdvd, mrdvd. Or you can um, take a look at my pictures on Instagram. It's A-L-D-O underscore R-A-Y-N-E. That's Aldo Rain. I do have a – actually, I set up a couple things, and I should have a blog out for in like about a week or two. Awesome. Uh, I'll let you know for sure, Aaron, but um, it's going to be Apocalypse Now and Then at blogspot.com. Cool. Um, and I'll give you all the extra info later, but uh, keep your eye out. If you're curious, just follow me on Twitter, and I'll post whenever it's when it's live. Sounds all really cool. Um, you can find all the other episodes about now there and today on iTunes, also at hhwlod.com, and you can find most of the newest episodes, some exclusives at outnow.podomatic.com. Email us outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Did you go to com- did you go to, e- to Comic Con? Were you there? Did I see you? Did I meet you? Let us know. Facebook.com slash podcast and Twitter.com slash now underscore podcast. You can like and follow those pages. We're happy to interact with all the listeners of the show and you know feel free to, you know, tweet us or send us a uh, Facebook message. We always have questions that are due to be answered so we can read on the show later on iTunes reviews and ratings, helpful to get those if you like logging on to iTunes and helping out the show in that way. But uh, yeah, until next time, that's going to do it for this week's bonus podcast episode involving Comic-Con 2013. Until next Comic-Con, Alan, so long, and goodbye. I'll be done today. I'll see you later. Juice. Ciao.